The following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood, from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We are the largest subspecialized neurosurgical group in the state of New Jersey. Now, some, some exciting news happening at ANS is, again, we opened up our uh, office in Bedminster, New Jersey, as you know, but we've moved it to 2345 Lamington Road in Bedminster, New Jersey. Um, you can learn all about us on our website, which is www.ansdocs.com. Again, that's www.ansdocs.com. And keep looking at the site. At the end of April, we'll be relaunching a brand new site, which is um, really pretty phenomenal. It's going to have a lot of educational areas, a new patient portal, some great things for you um, to assist you about education and being able to get to us and access us a lot easier. Um, with all the new regulations, you can have your own patient portal, review your own chart. So we're keeping up with the times um, at ANS and just keep looking for that new launch of the website. You can always reach us for any questions again at 973-285-7800. Again, in the Answers Live website is AnswersLiveNJ.com. Again, that's AnswersLiveNJ.com. And all these shows that we do are uh, you always posted on there about two weeks after I do the show. And you can listen to them over and over again um, to catch any of the information that you might miss today. Again, this is a live call-in show. The number here is 973-267-9687. Again, it's 973-267-9687. Okay, let's get into our show today. Uh, my special guest today is Dr. Liz from last weekend. Um, I'm bringing her on because I'm um, discussing um, her expertise. And, um, of course, we hit on a topic that's very interesting to me. Uh, we're going to be speaking about AHD and ADHD in children. She's also an autism specialist, so we're going to be bringing her back, so keep listening uh, for that show. It's probably going to be within the next couple of weeks, um, maybe sooner if I can get her back. She's very busy. Um, again, it's Dr. Liz, who uh, practices in Parsippany. To reach Dr. Liz, I'll give you the number now and at the end of the show. It's 973-400-8371. Again, that's 973-400-8371. And uh, another great good morning to Dr. Liz. Good morning, Dr. Liz. Good morning. I'm so glad to be back. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show again. Last week's show, uh, I think it was last week we did it, um, was so interesting. We got a lot of great feedback from that show, and we wanted to bring you back. I know your specialty is in a few areas, this being one of them, and especially the autism that we'll be bringing you back again for. Um, just a little bit for some of you that uh, uh, missed the show we did last time with Dr. Liz, just tell us a little bit about your practice. My practice, um, I work primarily 
with children and their families and their schools um, in advocating for kids with anxiety, autism, ADHD, um, or any combination thereof, learning disabilities to help them get the services that they need in school, because that is part of their bigger picture and where they spend the majority of their time, but also working with parents and helping them to understand the disability and how to manage it at home and how to best provide the environment to help their children thrive given their needs. Well, thank you so much for doing such great work in our community. Last week, we did a show on something called uh, Screen Time, and after the show, I got a lot of calls from people asking me a lot of questions. Uh, Unfortunately, the show was awesome, but I couldn't answer them. So again, Dr. (laughs) Liz is always available at 973-400-8371 if you have any of those questions or you need to bring your children to see her or even yourself for some um, for some information. So today's show is is a is a, a deep show um, because so many kids nowadays you're hearing are having this AHD, uh, ADHD. Um, who's diagnosed? Who's not? Uh, my son alone, uh, when he was younger, you know, uh, we thought had that, and he was tested, but he doesn't have that. He only has a mild case. So it's very 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 confusing. So let's get to the bottom of it. Um, what is ADD, and then what is ADHD? So it's a term that's used synonymously um, in the latest DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that psychologists use for diagnosis. Um, it's called AD slash D. So it's okay. taking everything and combining it into one. So it's attention deficit slash hyperactivity disorder. Okay. And you can have an inattentive type. You can have an impulsive slash hyperactive type, or you can have both or a combined type. So at the very basics, that's what it is, and these are the different subclassifications you can have of it. Okay. Now, when you hear someone, I hear it so much. So many people say it. Uh, even people say to me, you must have ADD because I'm all over the place a lot of times. Um, I guess what I wanted to ask is what causes uh, ADD or ADHD? And then let's get into how it affects the child and how you diagnose it. But but what is going on um, now? I mean, I'm thinking from the show we did last time with screen time with that um, hyper-focusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is AD? Is it something that you're born with? Is it something that you're learned? Is it something from your environment? What is it and and, and uh, ADHD? What what is it exactly? And it's how to... not something that's learned. Okay. You know, when you go back to the nature nurture argument, it's not something that you pick up because you're someone in your family has it or shows symptoms of it. It's something that you're born with. There is a neurochemical balance. There are studies that show that there are different parts of the brain that are not as well developed, and that's usually the frontal lobe, which is responsible for our executive functions and our ability to uh, manage simultaneous information, inhibit our impulses. It's that part of the brain that develops over time, and children develop those skills up until they're 18 and sometimes even further than that. So what happens with children with ADHD is those skills that usually their same age peers have developed, they haven't developed. So being able to sit still in, let's say, kindergarten, the expectation is once you get to kindergarten, you can sit for longer periods of time and do table work. And then with children with ADHD tend to not be able to do that for as long. So, and again, it's a spectrum. It, there's a wide variety. You have your mild, and then you have your more extreme that comes along with some comorbid other diagnoses. Right. right. Uh, why, why now do you think it's so prevalent, or is it really just because of our technology and 
great doctors like you who we have available. You know, like when I was younger, you didn't really hear of anyone in your class having a peanut allergy, but now you hear it all the time. Um, I don't remember anyone having ADD, but I can probably remember back now looking at some of the kids in my class, they probably had it. Mm -hmm. So is that the reason now you hear so much and why schools, I know with, with my son's school, it frustrates me. They're very quick to throw out these labels on kids instead of really looking into it. So why now is it so prevalent? I think we have a lot more awareness of it. And in general, there's a lot more awareness about the different disabilities that children have and how they impact them in school. And that's, I think that's also the threshold for which you determine whether this is truly a diagnosis versus not. If you have a fidgety kid who just likes to fidget and is just more active on that, on the upper end of a level of activity, but it doesn't really impact their functioning. And this is really the key piece is it impacts their ability to function in their major life environment and for children that's school or at home. And that's when you determine, like, okay, so now we need to to do something. We need to help this child, depending on their level of weakness, how are we going to find modifications or accommodations in the environment at home and at school to help them function their best and access their education, and that's key. Okay. Let's let's get into how does it affect someone in school. I have a lot of questions for you, but let's take, um, <coughs> I guess, if you want to take it a different direction first, but um, how does it affect someone in school, or should we talk about how it's diagnosed first, because those are questions that people asked me uh, when my son was having difficulty. Um, we didn't know what to do. Um, either question is great to answer if you can, I guess. I guess let's say, how, how do you diagnose it? If, if you see or a teacher says your son is just not focused, that's what we always hear. You know, he's never focused. He's always looking out the window. He's not listening. He's not following directions. And um, How is it diagnosed? So my first question is, is there maybe some anxiety in there? Because anxiety very much looks like ADHD. And um, I've had many parents come to me and ask me, does my child have ADHD? But then as I'm doing the clinical interview with the parent and getting more information, it sounds like they're more anxious. And then when I meet with the child, I realize there's more anxiety here than there is true inattention or impulsivity. And that's a big differentiating factor for me. And I'll come back to the parent and say, I'm sorry, it's it's not ADHD because I know you were looking for that or you really wanted that diagnosis because you wanted to put your finger on something and take it back to the school. But it's, it's really anxiety, and so the, the treatment is going to be different. We're going to have to work with the child that way to help reduce the anxiety. But when it's true ADHD, you're going to be hearing from multiple people in that child's life how there's maybe the restlessness or the fidgetiness or just tuning out. Because sometimes they don't have children who are need to get up and run around or they're touching everything or they're calling out. It's more they're just losing periods of time right. because they're getting internally withdrawn into their own thoughts, something in the environment distracts them from the teacher or a conversation, and now they're in their own thoughts. So when you see that pervade over several environments, and now that child is missing chunks of information from their work and can't keep up academically, then you're, then you're starting to, for me, then I start to think, okay, maybe this is ADHD. Okay. Um, yeah, exactly what you were saying. Like I said, I'll use my son as a reference. Um, he had the testing. It came back that he did not have ADHD, 
but he had a, a mild case, if you can call that, of ADD. And um, I, we see that. Um, and he's young. Uh, he just turned 14 uh, uh, recently. And um, it, it was that. It's that he kind of kind of doesn't, uh, he kind of lapses out, I guess, and misses those chunks of information. But there really wasn't anything they can do. They said it's mild. They put him on a special plan at school, 504, I believe yep, it was called, accommodation. Um, unfortunately, the school he's in really, for us, we don't see that they really did much for him. Um, but his grades are good except for math, which is, you know, I attribute to me because I don't do well in math either. <laughs> um, but I know parents struggle with this. They, you know, schools are quick to label. So that's why I was asking, you know, what should you look for as a parent to notice that uh, at home uh, between anxiety and ADD? Um, is there certain signs that we can notice? The fidgeting is quite obvious. I noticed my son didn't do that. He was he can sit and do things and not fidget. Um, are there certain classic signs that we should look for as parents initially before calling you? I think if you're notice if you're getting the teacher report often, like on a day to day basis, where maybe inattention or impulsively calling out or falling out of your seat or needing to get up often, and then the other pieces forgetting to hand in work, not getting work done when the rest of the class is, needing to go to the bathroom or the nurse or the, the water fountain a lot, right. where now this pattern of behavior is consistent. And like it's not just happening once a week or it's not happening before um, a holiday break. It's happening consistently and it's impacting that child's ability to learn. And then the parent is seeing the same kind of thing. You know, getting dressed for school in the morning is something that's hap not happening with ease. And someone needs to really be there to monitor because we're losing focus or we're getting involved in something else. Or um, not being able to do your homework at home. Ha follow through with just routines where it's a constant struggle. That's your child who's probably going to be more the ADHD, the hyperactive impulsive the inattentive is the child who is just going to kind of get lost in in their own world or get lost in doing something when they really could have been, when they should have been brushing their teeth to get ready for school. Right. That's really what we see a lot. Uh, and forgetting a lot. Like you say, you know, mm -hmm. take the garbage out. Yeah, no problem. And then, and, you know, 20 minutes later, you take the garbage out. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. I'll... Uh, because there's and scattering like all different things, constantly doing so many different things at once, and thoughts going back and forth. Right. Um, so those are really signs, I guess, where you look for in your child. Yeah. Um, so it's really the school, of course, if you have the look good at, teachers yeah. that are that are focused. And, and we've noticed throughout the years, there's really good teachers, and then there's not. Uh, there's really good schools, and then there's really not. So mm -hmm. I guess uh, creating that dialogue between so your child and the school, which will... Yeah, which having will... communication with your teacher on a regular basis as often as possible, especially if you're suspecting something is going on, and then asking, you know, what is helpful so that those strategies can also be used at home and what you're using at home can be used at school. Okay, what areas of learning does it classically affect? Are there certain subjects that it affects um, or certain, you know, certain, certain things in school that it primarily affects? So the key, first thing is any task that really requires any sustained attention for focus for a longer period of time. And when they're in kindergarten, first grade, you don't see that so much because the tasks are usually short spurts. When they start to get into like second, third, fourth grade and up, and especially middle school, mm -hmm. the tasks that they're required to do are usually complex, multi-step, and they need to sit down and focus for more than five, ten minutes to get the assignment done. And that's when you start to see a breakdown. So any task that requires that, that's like your first sign. Then 
with that also comes like reading comprehension tends to suffer yeah. because in order to understand what you've read, you need to read and process. And if you're being distracted by the sound in the hall or your brother who's downstairs or the TV that's on or the binging of whatever phone or iPod or whatever, um, that's going to distract you. So now you've broken your train of thought and you don't know what you've read. So reading comprehension suffers. Um, written expression, being able to express your thoughts in writing is is difficult because it's such a multi-step process when you really break it down is you have to generate the ideas. You have to organize them. And then you have to find your supporting details and then sit down and write. That's so many steps. And a lot of children with ADHD will look at a writing task and go, I can't do this. And you hear a lot of, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Or, you know, throwing the assignment, crumbling it up. A lot of frustration because not being able to follow through on like long division problems and word problems where there's reading and processing and breaking down. Right. Well, that's classic. As you're saying that, I'm relating a lot to that. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dr. Liz. I'm Tom Wood of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Suffering from neck or back pain can truly disrupt your life. Every day I hear of the stories of people whose lives have been devastated by nerve pain, but who are afraid to see a neurosurgeon. They're scared of surgery. But at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, we make getting back to the life you want possible using a variety of minimally invasive treatments. Our group of specialists are among the best trained doctors in the state, the leaders in stroke and minimally invasive spine and brain tumor procedures, and we view surgery as the last option. Don't be afraid to end your pain. Trust Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have eight offices throughout New Jersey and are affiliated with most healthcare systems. Call 973-285-7800 or visit us at ansdocs.com. That's ansdocs.com. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We've truly got your back. Welcome back to Answers Live. This is Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. I'm here with Dr. Liz, and we're speaking about AHD and ADD. And um, we just want to really keep going with the show. We have so much information to cover in such a short time. Um, But we're going to jump right back into the subject um, about AHD and ADHD, how it affects kids. We just went over about um, what subjects, and it usually affects them more in the English and the reading and the high focus. I was assuming math. My son has the hardest time, believe it or not. In math, he does very well in other subjects, but math is his nemesis. Would um, you say like math in terms of word problems and like long division or math absolutely. in general? Things where yeah. you have to stay organized, right. um, equations, uh, word problems, things, I guess, exactly what you were saying. Staying focused um, and remembering certain things that you should have learned before. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's math. So, um, uh, you know, I didn't and like that's math not his either. strength. Right. So it's hard. But you know, we notice it in everything. But um, he's improving a lot and everything, but it looks seems like he's growing out of it. I don't know if that happens. We'll talk a little bit if we have time. But let's get into the schools itself because I think that's most important. Um, parents who have children with, uh, with ADHD, um, what should we do? Where, where are our resources? Of course, we have you, which is something that I would recommend is to have a, physi- uh, you know, a doctor that really knows this and can work with you. But let's talk about schools. What should schools be doing, and how do we help our children in school from, let's say, middle school to college? Because these kids do go to college, and they have to struggle with that. So I think at once you're, 
you or your your teacher recognizes something is going on, you want to put a plan in place. If you have a, an ADHD diagnosis, you want to you are then eligible to get what's called a 504 accommodation plan, which is what you were mentioning right. your son has. And that gives you accommodations in the classroom. You cannot modify the curriculum, right. but you can get accommodations in the classroom as well as statewide testing accommodations like state um extended time, having um, taken the test in a small group, that kind of thing. Right. We heard that. Uh, unfortunately, our, the school he's in, I don't think really does it as well as they should. But um, we did hear that type of stuff, pulling him out of the room, giving him a quieter area to work, right. uh, take home books, because now for some reason, right. I know when I was young, you took your books home. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> but he got a second set of books. Not that I see them, but he's 14. Um, okay, so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, no, no. It's, um, so have that 504 accommodation plan is a legal document. It needs to be reviewed annually. Right. Um, but as true with any document that you have for your child or any plan, it's important that you review this document. My suggestion to every parent is to schedule um, a parent-teacher type of conference where you review your child's accommodations, strengths, weaknesses, and learning style with your, all the teachers of your for your child. So at the middle school level, there's more than one. At the elementary level, there's usually just one or two. And then at the high school level, there's one in every single direction. So yeah. being able to sit down and say, this is my son, uh, or this is my daughter, this is how they learn best, this is their strengths and weaknesses, this is what I'm doing at home to support my child, and this is what my child's plan reads. So this is these are the types of accommodations they're going to need. So they need a study guide prior to a test. You know, if they please allow for an extension of a deadline, if my child is running behind on assignment, but limit it. No, I, I don't suggest anything indefinite because at the same time as we're providing the accommodations, it's important that we're still holding our children to a standard because you don't want to not challenge them and give them the message that they can't. That's really big for me is we need to keep working on your self-esteem and help you to achieve what you can achieve. And never once are we going to say your ADHD is your crutch or it's your right. weakness. Right. So I'm not a big fan of that. Like I still want to challenge you behind the scenes, but I, with the school, I want the school to understand and to be able to see like you're running out of time on your test. I'm not going to mark the last five problems wrong. And now your grade is going to suffer. But let's give you a chance to come back during lunch and take that test again. Right. So that's one plan, and it's just accommodations. The next is an IEP, or an Individualized Education Plan, another legal document that's reviewed annually, and children who are evaluated to determine if they are eligible, and then they're reevaluated every three years. That's um, You can have modification to the curriculum, meaning you can get academic support. So you can have another teacher in the classroom to be able to co-teach, it's called the in-class resource program, also known as in-class support. You have two teachers teaching. You can, um, if a child is struggling with, let's say, an area of math and the rest of the class is, let's say, progressing, you can slow it down and go back to a, like, if you're noticing this child is missing some basic multiplication skills, you can go back to that and modify the curriculum. Whereas otherwise, the general ed curriculum is being followed in a sequence and it's moving. To go back requires modification. Okay. There's also what's known as the resource room, which a lot of parents are familiar with, where the child leaves the general ed classroom, goes into a pullout environment with other peers, and that whole entire class is geared towards the child's level. And that that's um, allowing them access to the curriculum at 
at their pace. Okay. And who, who generally heads this up at these schools? I know with my son, we when we go to the meetings, there's a room of people, and <laughs> sometimes it's overwhelming. There's speech pathologists, there's yep. a, um, a psychologist, there's all the teachers. And, and sometimes for a parent, um, personally, I, I didn't I didn't enjoy that whole thing because you they really make you feel like your your child is so different, and and that was something that a few parents I spoke to um, who should be who should be really guiding this at the school. It's a child study team, and I used to be a part of that okay. child study team. I was a school psychologist on the child study team, and it's composed of a social worker, a learning specialist, and a school psychologist. But the one thing that an IEP also gives your child that a 504 accommodation plan does not is related services, and that is occupational therapy, speech therapy, and physical therapy. So those are the people who come to the meeting to tell you how your child is doing. And usually there's a general ed teacher and a special ed teacher. So at this child study team meeting you walk in and you're like there's a whole gang of people and it's overwhelming right so it's the the case manager which is one of those people from the child study team it's the parents a general ed teacher special ed teacher and any related service providers sometimes the principal comes sometimes the director of special services comes and so it's a big party in a room and you had no idea (laughs) i didn't and i think because he he i should say only but only needed a 504 um, I think a little bit was dismissed with him in the fact that he didn't need all these things, so we'll just give him a little bit of a special accommodation and let him ride with it. Um, it's helped in some areas, and some, like I said, it hasn't. But it also, for us and people listening, I think it's really hard because when you have a son or daughter going through puberty um, and at that 13, 14, 15 with ADD or ADHD, um, and they're going through puberty, and their importance right now is boys and girls <laughs> and being cool and dressing right. It's probably the worst time to try to get a hold of all this. And for people listening, once they transgress, like my son now is going into high school next year, and our concerns are higher because he is maturing, he is getting better. But what happens to those children when they get to high school and even on to college, if we can answer that? The academics get that much more complex. There's a greater level of independence that's expected, time management, being able to prioritize, keep all your materials in place, find them the next day and it's overwhelming to them. So I work with um, a lot of young men and women creating an organizational system that's unique to them, that's uh, more visually based, and uh, just getting them organized at that very basic level so they don't feel overwhelmed with, I did my homework, but I have no idea where it is. So at the very basic level, just organizing. Then I work on organizing their home environment with the help of their parent and then coordinating that all with the school. But the accommodations, I think, one point I want to make is once you have a 504 plan, those accommodations over time may need to change. So saying that they're going to be in place for a solid year is not always valid. So if you need to revisit it at maybe half year mark or at three months, do that. If you're finding certain, oh, my child doesn't use this accommodation anymore, they get it. So we can now, but my child needs this. So go in and advocate for another accommodation, additional accommodations or taking away accommodations and adding. Um, But it does get more complex, so they need those environmental supports as they're building the skills. And that's a point that you, I think, were making earlier is what happens over time. Over time, 
this is my area of weakness, so I'm going to use my phone to set an alarm. And that's a big thing. As much as I say limit screen time, I also think that using technology is helpful, like remembering to take your medication in the morning, set an alarm, remembering to wake up in the morning, set an alarm, Um, finding an, uh, an assignment pad that's on on your phone or on your so reminders for them that mm-hmm. stimulates that yeah we're gonna have to like i said uh, with my son uh revisit um in his freshman year and go over the plan mm-hmm. again well dr liz as always thank you so much for this incredible show and information i wish we had a lot longer to speak um if, if you're willing to come back i'd of love course. to bring you back a few more times so we can we can hit on a lot more subjects again that was dr liz and to reach her directly it's 973 8371. I'm Tom Wood from Atlantic Nurse Surgical Specialist. To reach us, it's 973-285-7800. Please listen and go on to Answers Live NJ website. Uh, in about two weeks, you can listen to Dr. Liz's shows over and over again, and you'll be hearing from her in the near future on some great more topics. Um, thank you, and have a wonderful day. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decision.